heroes. Highlights and hardships with Triple M's Rush Hour. Welcome back to the Rush Hour with Gus Jude and Wendell. Millie Boyle in for Jude and we've got a very special guest, guys. Ian Roberts is joining us. I mean, if you look at uh, all the accolades that he got, actually incredible. Take us too long. We'll go through the whole podcast. So we'll just introduce him and say g'day to Robbo. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. Very well. Lovely to be here, though. Good on you. So let's talk about the three H's. It's hero, it's hardship and highlight. We'll start with a hero. Have you got a hero on or off the field that you want to talk about right now? Mate, definitely off the field. Uh, Justin Fashioner, who was, in 1990, was the first uh, male in, in a competitive professional team sport to come out as being gay. That was over in the UK, mate, playing in the Premier League. And he was, mate, he was brutalised. That was in 1990. It was the same year I was going to come out. The reason I didn't actually come out that year was, was because of the way Justin was treated. Mm. Um, yeah, he was brutalised, mate. Ended up, and sad story, um, uh, he took his own life in 98. Like yeah. He, um, yeah the, this, but he is... Him and, and someone like uh, Alan Turing, mate, who, who broke the Enigma Code uh, in the Second World War. But I suppose, for obvious reasons to me, uh, they're both two gay men who, who kind of took a different direction and, and, you know, and stood up for themselves. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. What a, what, I remember being in England at the time and, you know, he was as big a deal as you, as you, sort, of, as you sort of knew. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. Robbo... Mate, it was really brave because, mate, in through those 90s, I remember you coming through the 80s and stuff and the way that you played football, there was not too many tougher than you and Les Davidson, but it wasn't about the football. In and around the 90s, obviously, you know, there was rumours and innuendo, but, mate, you stood tall, but you're the only player or the only person, male, that has stood tall and said, hey, I'm gay. Why is it so hard to put up your head and say, you know what? Obviously, we saw the the Pride uh, stuff last year and that. Why do you think it's so hard for, for young males or sports people to come out and say I'm gay and to get ostracised by it. You're, you're right, Wendell, particularly in the men's sport. The women's sport is all over this, mate. They are so inclusive. And, you know, they really embrace diversity and inclusion, mate. They're all over the women's sport. But, I mean, unfortunately, within men's sport, particularly contact sports, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm not going out on a limb here. But, uh, yeah. You know, it's still seen as being a weakness, mate, or somehow. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's obviously still not a safe space. But there had been a few players come out. Uh, Josh uh, Cavaro in the A-League came out playing for Adelaide. So, mate, there has been, you know, some um, sparks of hope. But, yeah, I would suggest, mate, particularly, and you touched on it, mate, what happened last year with the Manly. But, you know, there is still an incredible amount of... Um, I'm not going to say un- uneducated, but there is. Um, I often feel like, Wendell, sometimes I feel like the gay community has to be the adult of the room and we have to keep the conversation going. You know, we, we really have to be able to collaborate. We have to be able to, you know, be very flexible. We have, yeah, n- negotiate. We're, it's it's, um, it's still a conversation, mate. I mean, that's what I do for my bread and butter now, mate. I do a lot of advocacy work in and around this space, mate. There is still a lot of, I'm not going to say ignorance because I don't think that's mm. fair, but there's still definitely a lot of um, education that needs to happen, mate. Just on that, Ian, what do you think needs to be done? You, you touched on the, the female game being quite across it and it's, you know, it's not as daunting, I guess, for, for female players to come out as gay and they're, they're very proud of who they are. But surely we can't, there can't just be one person and absolutely take, take my hat off to you for being so strong and so vulnerable through that situation. Um, my dad, David Boyle, he said you were one of the toughest players to ever play the game and to do what you have done... 
I, I kind of imagine what that's done for other athletes that are coming through the ranks and, you know, need to speak out and want to speak out. And, and from a, an athlete's perspective, what do you think can be done to, to push down those barriers? Millie, I'm, honestly, please give my love to your dad. I love hooky. Um, I used to call him hooky because his nose used to point in every direction. Just <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably but, uh, broke it a few times. <laughs> no, I really think, uh, honestly, Millie, I think education is our... I mean, I'm mixed up now. All the oxygen in my life is taken up with an organisation called Qtopia. We're creating... We're not a museum, but for the basis of this conversation to make it easier for people to understand, it, it, is, a, it is kind of a, like a queer museum. It's a cultural centre for... for uh, queer history. We've just um, finished a whole load of work with the uh, state education department where we've been working with them to organise syllabus and education for primary schools and primary schools next year. We open in February. But I do believe education is our greatest sword and our greatest weapon in dealing with this. And there is still a lot of but yeah, not, not ignorance is not the word I want to say, but there is a lot of um, uncertainty. It's still in and around this place. And particularly with it, man, it's still, you know, there is still that... Um, that perception of, of, of somehow being weaker or being less. You know, we still got our work cut out for us. Yeah, no doubt, but it's getting better. I can certainly feel that sort Absolutely of your generation, right. Millie, and certainly my three kids, 20 to 23, your kids, yeah. Wendell. I mean, yeah. it's just not a big deal to anyone anymore. So I think once it breaks, I think everyone will just get get over it and get through it. Um, what about your highlight, big fella? You'd have many, obviously, playing for mm. so many different clubs and playing for Australia and playing for your state. What was your highlight in your career? I mean, I would say, like, probably just what we were talking about, just how embracing and how accepting the, the rugby league community was when I came out. How absolutely, like, I wouldn't say easy, but how well it was received and um, it really changed my perspective because I know, and we were just touching on this about, um, there was still a lot, of, a lot of uncertainty out there. I was, I've been very fortunate, Gus, Wendell, Willie, I've been very fortunate in my career even growing up, I've never been uncomfortable being same-sex attracted. Mm. But for a lot of, particularly, I'm talking in the perspective of, of gay men here, That's there is still men dealing with a lot of internalised hypophobia, and that's the type of thing, you know, we, we have to work on as well. Uh, but I would say absolutely, mate, it was, was such a wonderful experience for me when I came out, the way that it was embraced by the public. Hey, hey Rob, I know you've done some great things in and around football. I remember on that 94 tour, you looked after me and Steve Menzies. But also, yeah. you've done the acting and, uh, you know, you, you've been a trailblazer, you know. And, and the thing, what, what made you get, I know, obviously, English background, but have you always liked that entertainment? So there's obviously you, there's Jason Stevens, but every day of the week, I'm picking you, big fella, because you always look to treat, but you always, you always had that edge. <laughs> um, when, I, when I used to, um, I, I suppose the hardest thing for me growing up, I mean, I have spoken about this occasionally. I was, when I was a kid, um, Gus, uh, Wendell, uh, I mean, I, dyslexia wasn't a thing. Like, you're just dumb. And like, when I was five, I mean, I didn't learn to read and write till I was in my, my 30s, actually when I went to NIDA. Uh, and through a, a, a thing called phonetics, it's a it's another use of language. That that's how. I mean, I'm no Shakespeare. I tell you that, but I can, <laughs> I can I can read and write now. I mean, I couldn't read and write until yeah, my thirties, and I was always really shameful of of that growing up. I've never been ashamed or felt uncomfortable at being same sex attractive. So I'm very grateful for that, mate. I, I'm, you know, I've been very fortunate in the fact that I never felt any sort of shame from being same sex attractive. Ian, you have won uh, Dalian Prop of the Year three years. Um, (laughs) What do you think is so important about being a prop and why is it the most important uh, position on the field, do we think? (laughs) (laughs) From one fellow prop to another. (laughs) Very well well worded. Yes, very good. Um, 
you know, again, I don't like to keep harping back. It, it, it is well historically. I mean, the front rowers now play a very different game to what I did, but it is seen as being like a real hard nut position. And I think my personal situation and my sexuality that was a real like contrast. It was a real clash mm. for, for a lot of people to get their heads around, which was a good thing for me. Um, and it was a good thing for um, moving that conversation forward. I. Uh, I always want to be what, what one was like one of the glamour positions, like the out in the wing, or yeah, out in the wing, or a fullback, or someone like. But you know, I'm, I've got their head for a front row. Trust me, <laughs> you're not the only one. Oh, no, really, you, you yeah, you're okay. so passionate, you're so <laughs> honest, and you know we we need more people like you in this world. What's been your hardship, big man? When I was playing, um, I was a young bloke in '94, Blake Stenning, who passed away. I got to, Blake was nine years old, but. I got to know Blake when he was about six. He was uh, he was HIV positive. He was born um, a few months premature. He got the virus for a transfusion. But I got to know him at about six or seven. And um, I suppose seeing the way that poor kid was victimised, I mean, he never had a, a normal upbringing, as you can imagine. He ne- never really uh, went to school. He was always in hospital. And um, seeing the way that that kid had... I mean, we're now going back to the mid-90s, but see, even the way that kid had to face discrimination and persecution, uh, it was a real, that was a real eye-opener from him, mate. It just, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. I just, it was so sad seeing the way that poor kid was treated at times. Yeah, Mate, you've got a heart of gold, oh, mate, yeah. and we've, we've known that. You know, I'll be through the years and you can just hear that, can't you, Millie, through the, yeah. through yeah. the, through the voice. Passion. Robbo, want to appreciate your time. We want to thank you very much, big fellow, and don't be a stranger. Always, mate. I love you guys. Thank you. Love very you, much. Robert. Yeah. Mate, you're, you're the only bloke that calls me Wendy. I love that when he sees me. He goes, hey, how you going, Wendy? Yeah, I love, I love that. Yeah, so good. Take care. Thanks. Good on you, mate. There's Ian Roberts in the 3H podcast. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell. Weekdays from 4 on Triple M.